0: It's from 6. On 2FN. It's Friday the 15th of December. And this is Game On. While well, the origins and story to Leinster is dominating discussions and debate. Team Tracy will fill us in on the latest. And on Sunday, there is the small matter of Manchester United versus Liverpool. We'll ask Alan Colley and Fergal Brennan who will come out on top. And Ruby is in Cheltenham, so he is going to bring us up to speed on what's happening in the world of racing. If you want to get in touch, please text us on 51552 or find us on X at Game On 2 FM.
1: Game
2: On, on 2 FM.
0: Now, welcome along. Keen, Tracy and Alan Colley are with me in studio. Ruby will be joining us later on and I'm Cheltenham to tell us what's happening in the world of racing and to give us a few tips for the weekend but we're going to get straight in to the big story of the day and Alan I'm sure you'll have an opinion on this as well because it's a, a rare enough one to have such a big move from one club to the other with Orgie Snyman possibly going from Munster to Leinster it appeared last night late last night um, via Jury Thorny in the Irish Times that this potential move was on the cards what's been happening Keen Tracy?
2: Yeah, big story is is right, Marie. Um, I think it caught a lot of people, myself included. Um, I think Munster, a lot of people at Munster off guard as well. Um, there'd been reports a couple of weeks ago um, that Orgy Snyman to Bath was as good as a done deal. They actually came from France, interestingly, in, interestingly enough, but usually the, the French reports with transfers um, are on the ball, so it was definitely a bit of a curveball when we saw the Irish Times story late last night. Um yeah, look, it's, there's a lot to this. Um, there's a lot of different strands. Um, you can look at it. I suppose the crux of the issue is that Munster weren't allowed to keep Orji Snyman and Jean Klein um, at the club next season after Jean Klein switches allegiances back to South Africa from Ireland so a lot of people say why why is that it's because the IRFU don't want two foreign players blocking young players in the same position young Irish players in the same position it makes sense um, it's a bigger picture thing so Munster a couple of weeks ago had announced that uh, Jean Klein, um had signed a contract extension and that Orgie Snyman will be leaving um, again it made a lot of sense I mean Orgie Snyman has played 10 games for Munster in 4 years since he's been there Jean Klein is their current player of the year so that was all kind of out of the way but going to Leinster is definitely a bolt from the blue so um Look, from Munster's point of view, I'm sure there'll be a bit of anger initially. I'm sure there'll be a bit of disappointment. But at the end of the day they opted to keep Jean Cline um, ahead of Orgie Snyman and I don't think any supporter would have any qualms about that after that Orgie Snyman is free to go wherever he wants Shaq Nienarber his South African head coach has just come into Leinster you'd imagine he probably had a big say in this maybe the Bath deal was somewhere along the line and Shaq uh, Nienarber might have said well why don't we try and get him to Leinster so Leinster already have Jason Jenkins at Munster um, another South African second row who joined sorry at Leinster who joined last summer from from Munster but the understanding is that he's going to be leaving at the end of the season Michael at Leinster's prop confirmed this week um, that he's going to be leaving as well so it frees up a spot um, in the Leinster second row and non-Irish qualified so it looks like Leinster have swooped in nothing has been signed as far as I'm aware and if it comes off look it's a big risk for Leinster like I said RG is hardly played for Munster but
0: How often has he played?
2: He's played 10 times in four four years. Um, It's crazy, really. Uh, Look, he had really bad luck, back-to-back ACL injuries. um, There was different bits and pieces. Even he's he's currently injured at the moment, which I think is harder to take for Munster because they had worked so hard, I think, Mm. behind the scenes to get him back fit. Um, He did play his part somewhat in them winning the URC last season, but then he went off to the World Cup and was outstanding. Actually showed very few ill effects of having done his ACL twice but he's now out with a shoulder or I think it's a chest injury actually that he picked up in the World Cup final but we saw in France over those couple of months how good Orji Snyman is so obviously Leinster have weighed it up in terms of you know is this a risk worth taking and clearly they think it is because on his day Georgie Snyman is arguably one of, if not the best lock in the world. He's absolutely outstanding. There's very few players can do what he can do. Um, some people will say, well, what about the likes of you know Joe McCarthy, who's just burst onto the scene um, over the last while? It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. But Leinster do a great job of producing their own homegrown talent. They've been caught short over the last couple of years in both Champions Cup finals. They clearly feel that they're short somewhere Um, Jason Jenkins ironically um, has been injured quite a bit since he joined from Munster as well so they feel like they're missing something and they think that Orgy Snyman could be that missing part of the Jigsaw and like I said it's a big risk but if it comes off then Orgy Snyman could be a game changer for Munster just as he could or for Lencer, just as he would have been a game changer for Munster if he'd been fit
0: Okay, we're going to get to um to some reaction to that in just a second, but I want to play this clip from Leo Cullen because he was asked about it today. Um, he faced the media, and of course, um, there were plenty of questions about the possibility of Snowman coming to Leinster.
3: Ah, is this the time of year, is it? Yeah, listen. At the moment, obviously, our attention is on sale tomorrow. So, um, you know, so we talk about it all this always this time of year. Like, there's lots of different conversations discussions happen in the background, so when those become a bit firmer yeah we'll be the first to let you know so um but at the moment it's 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 not where our attention is at the moment um and that's out of respect for all different parties that are involved as well so I understand the, the questions and why you're asking them and all the rest but like it's in it's not that's not where our minds are at the moment like we we're, we're we're focused on this weekend, you know, it's, it's a short turnaround if you think you've come from La Rochelle, you travel back, you know, and that's all I'm really thinking about at the moment. The thing about this competition is you're, you're not even just competing against the team on the day, in many ways, or the teams that are in your pool. Because of the seedings piece, you're competing against the other pools as well, so you really do have to go after every single point that's available on any given day. So. You know, there was a lot of there was a good few away wins, what five away wins and a draw out of the twelve games, you know. So only six home wins, and again that's on my mind as well. We talked about obviously we were the beneficiary of one of those stats last week. We don't we don't want to be sail to be the beneficiaries of a stat like that this week. So this is you know as I said it has been a short week, but it's trying to have that clear focus. You know, for our own point of view, we've we've made a couple of changes just to get a bit of freshness into the team. Um, but we want the guys that are again coming off the bench that they're adding proper impact as well
0: Leo Cullen um, talking about their game but also talking about Simon and well actually not talking
2: about him to be doing everything he could not to <laughs> yeah. talk about it
0: <laughs> um, he did quite a good job actually of deflecting and, and moving on but like reading between the lines Keen, there's definitely something going on
2: Leo Cullen didn't say a lot in that clip um but he didn't um rubbish the the mm-hmm. talk which is you know the most glaring thing that I think you'd you take from that look he was asked very similar questions probably this time was it last year where before J- or the year before before Jason Jenkins moved from Munster to Leinster I mean because the deal isn't signed sealed and delivered yet he's not going to come out and, and jeopardize that um by by any way so um yeah look it's a very interesting time Marie I think like when Jason Jenkins left I mean, he's, he wasn't as quite as high profile, albeit he was a Springbok um, international. He was capped once. So it's rare enough that you see players move from Munster to Leinster when they're in the, the the prime of their career. I mean, you've seen examples of guys going the opposite way, someone like Joey Carberry, but it's rare enough um, that you see, and I think that's why people are so surprised. But like I said, I think when the initial, I don't know what the word is, anger or whatever, like in... You know, I was saying this to you off air. Judging social media reaction is never a good uh, place to judge anything, and there's been a lot of, I suppose, anger and stuff. But I don't know if that will be reflective of the mood of most rational um, thinking Munster supporters. Um, Orji Neumann, it's also worth mentioning as well, is on an awful lot of money, and um, Munster haven't got any bang for their buck. Really, they could argue that you know he did play a role in the run to the URC, like I said, but because he got back fit um, and played such a key role at the World Cup there was probably a couple of zeros added on to the salary that he was looking for Um, obviously we're not privy to, to know what kind of deal Leinster have offered him but you'd imagine like Leinster are no fools when they go into the transfer market and when they go in for a big overseas player you know they make sure they do their due diligence so like my understanding was when Orgy Snyman signed his latest um, contract extension a couple of years ago he did take uh, a bit of a pay cut because when he arrived after South Africa won the 2019 World Cup he was on big, big bucks. Uh, listeners will probably remember he arrived at the same time as Damien Um like the, the figures that were being spoken about in terms of the bath were something like 700 grand 750 grand plus a season which is I'd be very surprised if Leinster are going to be paying that kind of money very, very 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 surprised i mean even how, all, so- how old is he keen He's 29, I think, 28, 29. And because of, I suppose, the injury history that he has, is it a risk for Leinster taking him? Massive risk. Massive, massive risk. Like I said, he's played 10 games in four years at at Munster, but at the World Cup, he reminded everyone that, and he showed no ill effects, to be fair, of having two really bad Mm. um, knee injuries because that was the thing. If he got back, would he ever be the same player because his explosivity, I suppose, is his point of difference. Like he's a six foot 10. He moves like a back almost at times. He's got ball handling skills that are freakish so it's a massive risk but I would say Shaq Nienarber like I said has come in there and he knows him really well he probably played a role in getting him to Munster in the first place um, all those years ago even though he had left Munster um, at that point so like I said it sounds like Jason Jenkins is going to be leaving at the end of the season or Snyman potentially coming in and Leinster it could be the, the missing piece of the jigsaw the irony is I suppose by the time by the time he gets in you know you could have a situation where Leinster do finally win the Champions Cup again and it's been two homegrown players like Joe McCarthy and James Ryan who were both outstanding against La Rochelle last weekend but it's clearly you know they've seen a gap um, in the market and it sounds like they've gone for it it'll be interesting to see if Bath come back in but my understanding this is probably the human element of it which again I think most rational people will take into account Snyman um has a young family in Limerick and by all accounts they love it there if all things were easy, I don't think he would leave Munster. I, he doesn't want to leave Munster. If John Klein hadn't switched his allegiances, which again it's nothing on John Klein, he did what he did. Mm-hmm. Ireland weren't picking him. He went he got picked by South Africa and is now a World Cup winner. But if that didn't happen, I would be very surprised if Orgy Snyman would be leaving Munster at all because that um like I said, that foreign lock spot wouldn't be taken up um by Jean Klein. So look it's a, there's a there's lots of different kind of I think play, spinning plates um, to this but at the end of the day I'd like to answer your question Alan yeah it would be a big risk but probably a risk worth taking you'd say
0: Is there any any I guess value in thinking about the pathway then for the younger players is does he block it I've seen people point that out
2: yeah, there, there's um, of course they will. Leinster will argue that um, him coming in, you know, the younger guys, you've guys like Brian Deaney, Conor Tiernig, who was part of the Irish under-20s, um, that he'll, they'll be able to sponge um, off them as much as possible. And Munster fans will probably argue that there was a lot of hullabaloo when he signed, but the issue was himself and Jason Jenkins were both at Munster um, at the same time, which is very, very rare. Like I said, look, it's not a the IRFU and David Nusifora the performance director is a big driver of this um, that you just don't have two foreign players in the same spot because it it makes a lot of sense from an IRFU point of view they're all about pushing homegrown talent but of course there always has to be room for guys like Orgy Snyman in Irish rugby, not only are they so important on the pitch when they're fit in Snyman's case, but they're also so important to the culture. Like, you think back to Munster, you know, the Munster glory days, like guys like John Langford, Jim Williams, you think of Leinster, you think of Eason Essay, where Rocky Elmson, Brad Thorne, all these guys are so, so important. And to be fair, Leinster... Leinster don't always go out to the market and sign these these kind of guys but I think this was always going to be one of the big things about Shaq Nienarber coming in he was going to come in and you know ruffle a few feathers in the best possible way and say well why aren't we doing this why aren't we doing that and like I said he's probably heard through the grapevine that Orgy Snyman was on the market and sorry not even through on the ga- grapevine because it's <laughs> exactly yeah like Munster had said he was leaving so why would RG Snyman not want to go and play for Leinster, one of the best clubs in the world, under okay, not under Leo Cullen is still the boss, but you know, with a head coach who knows him, yeah. who's gotten the best out of him for South Africa. Look, it it makes a lot of sense, but that won't be any consolation to Munster, particularly if Snyman rocks up um to Dublin next season and is firing on all cylinders, that would be tough to take, but it's professional sports, it's a rootless business.
0: Why are people so angry then?
2: I think they're angry because Munster stood by Orji Snyman when he did his ACL the second time and they gave him a contract extension now to be fair like I said my understanding is he took um, a pay cut but he also wanted to stay to repay the fate that Munster like I've seen the word mercenary thrown around and stuff and I think that's so over the top and so unfair Um, Orji Snyman bought into Munster massively even when he was out injured he was behind the scenes he was working with the younger players he was trying to give as much as he could as possible like unfortunately his body didn't play ball I mean you can't really you can't argue anything with that but I think Munster fans would be angry because they feel like they've given him so much and they haven't gotten a lot in return But I go back to the very first point I made around this, Marie. Munster could not keep Jean Klein and Orgy Snyman. They had a choice. Now, Snyman would be on significantly more money and obviously Munster aren't flush with cash. But I wouldn't underestimate their ability to get signings over the line either. Like I mentioned they have um, a couple of years or a few years ago when they signed Snyman and Damien Dialende. they both arrived as World Cup winners mm-hmm. on big big money Munster get outside investment from this mystery group that no one really knows um, who they are when they're needed so I wouldn't be surprised that if Munster if Sean Klein hadn't switched back and Munster felt like they wanted to keep Orgy uh, Snyman I wouldn't be surprised if they found the cash um, available to make that happen so look I can understand why Munster fans might be a bit disappointed but like I said I think when the initial kind of shock and anger subsides I think a lot of people will realise that Munster could have kept Orgy Snyman if they wanted but they made a sensible decision by going for the more durable um, and probably the more reliable uh, Jean Klein.
0: If he gets back from this injury will he play for Munster this season again do you think if so he's going to Lancer?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I couldn't see Graham Rountree being that petty. I really, really couldn't. Um, and this is what I mean about kind of judging reactions from like social media. And stuff. So I don't think it's really the way the real world and rational people think. He's due to be back in March this time or that time last year he actually came back and like I said played a, a run a, a role sorry in Munster winning the URC there's nothing to say that he won't come back and Munster won't still be in the Champions Cup still in in contention to win the URC and he could end up helping them win another trophy why would you not play again one of the best locks in the world if he's fit um, if he's going to go to Leinster afterwards that's fair enough but from everything you hear about Orgy Snyman he is like such a professional he really does like Munster like I heard stories that he was only in the club um, a couple of months and he was already you know going to all the lads weddings and stuff the players that he had like instantly clicked with with everyone so I don't think that the Munster players will be feeling anything you know grievances towards him I think they will they probably all do the exact same thing if they were in the same situation I think yeah and you have to be unfortunately players have to think of themselves
4: and be, be selfish at times as well Murray it's his career he has to look after himself his family um, and whatever he feels is the best I think by the sounds of it, what Keane is saying as well that new coach that has come in at
2: Leinster is playing a massive part it's a good point about you make about you know players having to be selfish because like I said this is a guy who's had back to back ACL surgeries mm. I mean when he had the second one his career was hanging in the balance I mean if you do your ACL once you're doing well to come back and play at that level to do it twice I mean is miracle stuff to Mm -hmm. come back so he probably would have been facing some seriously dark days tough questions about God am I going to have to be retiring what was he 26, 27, 28 now he has a chance to stay in a country that he feels like Mm. you know part of at home and I think you have to admire that as well because Orgy Snowman could go to Bath and again I'd be shocked if Leinster are going to be paying the type of figures that were being thrown around by Bath he could go back to Japan he came to Munster from Japan where they pay astronomical money but it's you know it's a growing league but it's still not you know it's not top level rugby here's a guy who wants to stay in rugby he wants to be he's ambitious enough you know so I don't think you can fault him from that regard either so yeah, it'll be very interesting. Like I said, if if he's rocking up and if he's um, helping Leinster win the Champions Cup next season, then I think that will be tough for for Munster supporters to to take. But then again, they have Jean Klein and he's doing the business mm-hmm. for for them for a long time as well.
0: So there are games this weekend as well, and teams have been named. Keen um, Munster, since we are on the topic of the f- the the fact that they have a lot of injured players and have had so for quite some time now and they are going to be still without Peter O'Malley, um against Exeter this weekend but that was probably to be expected was it again
2: They were actually hoping um, he'd be back Marie I was down in Limerick on Wednesday and I got to see um, a little bit of their training and Peter Romani had trained fine on Tuesday but I could see on Wednesday that he wasn't involved in the scrums in the lineouts and that to me was a a big indication that he wasn't going to be be playing this weekend and it's a big loss. Um, I mean Peter O'Mani's a big loss for, for any team, but you look at the areas that Munster have struggled in over the last few weeks, you know, the pack has been a little bit um depowered, particularly without we've just spent the last twenty minutes talking about Orgy Snyman and Jean Klein. They're really missing both of those guys are injured at the moment, and even a young guy like Edwin Adogbo. So um they do have a lot more players back on board this weekend. They've the likes of Shane Daly is back, dear McBarron, um Ollie Jaeger is back, Antoine on Frisch so they'll they'll definitely be stronger than they what they were for the the disappointing draw you'd have to say against Bayon last weekend. But um yeah, I'm heading over to that game tomorrow. I know it's on Sunday, um in Exeter, my first trip to Sandy Park, so I'm looking forward to it. It's it. Like Everybody a, says it's a tough place to go. It, it, but it, it is. I've never been I've never <laughs> been there. Dad and Bath um, Some are the two places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly like that. The pitch. Y- nobody says um, Sandy
0: Park without saying it's a tough place to go. Yeah,
2: well, I, I can only go on what people who I've chatted to and listened to have played there. Like It's a really narrow pitch. The crowd are right on top of you. It can be real sticky. It can be real heavy. But that plays into the style of play that um, Exeter like to play, which isn't very expansive. You can guarantee there's going to be a lot of pick and go. And once they need to front up physically, they need to front up in the pack. Their set piece needs to needs to fire because it's not quite yeah do or die territory yet, Marie. But they've backed themselves into a small bit of a corner after dropping points at home to, you know, what was a weakened Bayon side whose uh, priorities are certainly on the top fourteen. So they've got a bit of work to do in a venue that they've never won actually in before. So it's a big game.
0: Ledster. So we are obviously talking about Snoyman and um, the fact that he could end up there. But they have a new player making his European debut, Thomas Clarkson. What's he like? What do we know about him?
2: Yeah, young young head. Uh, he's obviously getting um, his opportunity because Tyghe Furlong is unavailable. His, his dad sadly yeah. passed away this week and condolences to all the Furlong family. Um, it's a big opportunity. Um, he is highly rated. He's had injury problems as well over the last couple of years. I'm guessing he's probably around 23, 24 now. Now, um, I think it's really good that Leinster are putting him into a game like this. I touched on this earlier. Michael Alalatoa confirmed earlier this week that he's going to leave Leinster at the end of the season. He's going to Claremont. So, I mean, you want to kind of see then the Irish guys being pushed through. Alalatoa did, did okay last week in Arashel, struggled um, at the scrum. I don't think Leinster have gotten uh, the best out of him at all, really. So, I think it's encouraging that Leinster are throwing him in. The disappointing thing from certainly not from a Leinster point of view but from a neutral's uh, uh, perspective and the competition is at sale after winning at home last weekend against Stade Français or sending Like I don't even know if it's a second team it looks like it's possibly even a third string team which is so disappointing uh, from like I said a competition point of view they've messed around with the format so much that allows teams to to do this and it just doesn't it does nothing for the integrity of the competition so look Leinster that's not Leinster's problem but I would fully expect them to rack up a big score a big bonus point win yeah
0: well look if their competition is going to be that low Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Connacht Mark Hansen is going to miss their game against the Saracens 200 appearance for Jack Harty though.
2: Yeah, big to have uh, Jack Harty back. I mean, I was so surprised by Connacht's lack of response um, last weekend against Bordeaux. Uh, you remember the week before that, they lost at the at the death, Kieran Frawley's try for Leinster. Um, and they were just so passive defensively last weekend. I was surprised that there wasn't more of a reaction, particularly at home, Friday night in the sports ground. You know, Champions Cup rugby back in Galway and it was just so flat. Mack Hansen's um, injury certainly didn't help but you'd want to see a big response this weekend. They've made a load of changes uh, to the team. Like you mentioned, Jack Carthy's back. It was strange to be honest that Jack Carthy wasn't involved over the last two weeks. He wasn't injured. I saw him doing the warm-up last weekend he's Connacht's club captain so JJ Hanner- Hannerhan had a tough tough outing I think it's fair to say last weekend so it makes sense that Carthy comes back in but that is a seriously tough challenge against a Saracens team who lost last weekend so they also need to to bounce back and could be a tough afternoon for Connacht What
0: about Ulster and Rossing? Is that as the, the tough mystery, a challenge?
2: The, the mystery goes on um, about Ulster I know mm. we've, we have discussed it a good bit Marie um, on Monday. show look I think it would be the most Ulster thing ever be quite on brand for Ulster to beat Racing tomorrow when people probably don't expect it Racing are coming with uh, their full team locked and loaded Sia Khaleesi the Springboks captain included which again is great to see they they lost last weekend at home to Harlequin so they're looking for a big response uh, look that Ulster team is definitely good enough to, to beat Racing, particularly at home uh, Belfast packed out Kingspan Stadium on a Saturday night but they've just been so inconsistent. It's it's hard to to be sure of anything. But uh, similar to Ulster, they didn't get a response um, when Dan McFarland called out. You know their their poor training standards a couple of weeks ago. They didn't get that response in Bath last weekend. So you'd be thinking at home, it's kind of now or never for for Ulster to deliver. But we could be having the same conversation on Monday, Marie, wondering w- what's going on with Ulster.
0: Yeah, we could, or it'll be like last year where they'll just get back on track again we'll see Um, Keen. thank you so much for that Um, hopefully we'll have a good weekend of rugby anyway and lots to talk about Monday you'll be in on Monday reviewing all of the action Alan you're going to hang around for a while we've got to get through some football League of Ireland fixtures out as well oh. today so plenty to chat about stay with us we're going to take a very quick break
2: 2FM Game On on 2FM, 2FM.
0: Uh, welcome back, Alan Cawley is with me in studio and Fergal Brennan joins us on the line we're going to get into all of the Premier League action but before we do, um, Fergal, I'm going to go to you on this the the Anthony Barry story and the fact that he's been linked with the Republic of Ireland Thomas Tuchel has come out today and uh, he re- he's rejected claims really that he, he could be the, the next manager have you any insight into what is at play here?
5: I think Thomas Tuchel is, is- Protecting his own interests in the sense that he values Anthony Barry quite a bit. Prior to Bayern Munich, they've worked together at um, at Chelsea. Um, obviously, Anthony Barry, this isn't a job share from him at the minute, splitting Bayern and Portugal, because Roberto Martinez, who also is a big fan of the work that he does, um, got him on board for that. So I think ultimately he knows that if a uh, number one job comes up, whether it be Ireland or elsewhere... It's going to be very difficult to hold on to him. I, I don't think, from what I understand, there's been a huge amount of movement in any direction just yet. Um, he will want to keep him. He's very well respected as a coach, but we see this quite a lot where number twos see their status rise. They want to have a chance at a number one job, and if it comes along, they they do tend to take it um, but Thomas Tuchel I think has been quite straightforward and to the best of his knowledge he doesn't know anything about that he's obviously not going to come out and say anything other but he was very firm in just saying no as far as I'm concerned this is this is not true so I think at the moment um, there isn't really any legs to it that's not to say that uh, it, it won't come to pass I definitely think he's on the shortlist but I still think there's a few other names um, and there is obviously time on, on the FAI side to, to make the call Al, what do you think?
4: I'd be surprised if the go for him Marie. I said this to you weeks ago mm-hmm. Um yes. And obviously it's it's reared its head in the last few days and there was murmurings that it might be on. But with what Tuchel said today, that's kind of the line I would have always taken on. And it's a big jump to go from an assistant manager and highly regarded coach that he is to become the number one. And I know Fergal's saying about maybe that's maybe his ambition one day. But I would have thought the step is to go club management and then potentially international management down the line. To jump from club coach, club assistant to be an international manager, it's too big a jump for me.
0: Yeah it's, It feels like it's changing every few days with people being linked to it. Yeah and
4: we don't really like all we know about Anthony Barry from our end over here like obviously he's had a good successful career in England in terms of he's highly regarded Chelsea Bayern Munich Tuchel's brought him with and we know all that stuff and he is highly regarded and here he was very highly regarded and it was almost the case of when he left people his stock rose even higher because people were saying oh well since Barry has left mm. we've kind of gone down a little bit but we know very little to be fair Marie, about him so I think to go from The little bits that we know of him just being a good coach and what we hear to being the number one, I can't see it.
0: Okay, we'll keep an eye on it. My phone died earlier on, and I was worried that by the time I got a charge, that maybe they'd announced (laughs) the Republic of Ireland women's managers. Which has to come first, yeah. It's supposed to be before Christmas, so it's. it's Do you know how it is? No. And it's it's one of these any day now kind of jobs. Do Do you? (laughs) Do you really? Well,
4: I have a fair idea, yeah.
0: Are you going to share it with us? No. Sounds like a conversation we need to have off air. Um, OK, right, let's uh, move on to the Premier League and we are going to start with Manchester United and Liverpool, Fergal. Um, I enjoyed actually watching, sitting down watching the two press conferences um, today and seeing the the Ten Hag been asked about his job and whether he's going to be there and... Um, in the next while and obviously Klopp then uh, speaking as well and being wary of the threat posed by Man United and you can understand why he would be because they are capable Fergal of putting a performance together we're just not sure when, where, how
5: yeah, and, and that's the thing. Um, th- there was a stat that was a few stats that have popped up while I've been um, working previewing this game over the last few days, and they're the only team united in the top four divisions of English football not to draw a game this season. That goes all the way down the pyramid. Nine wins, seven de- uh, defeats. And that just underlines this idea that you don't know what you're going to get. Um, but we've we made this point before, I know Alan's definitely made this point before, that they can win games against teams that, on paper are better than them or are certainly in better form than them, because they can produce a, a little moment, a Ganacho, a Fernandez, a penalty, a free kick, that type of thing. But in terms of a structured tactical um approach from Ten Hag that will be better than what Jurgen Klopp has to offer. No. Um I, I don't see that happening. Um because Jurgen Klopp is, is so tight in these games, particularly against United. He he's really revels in in the rivalry between the two teams, particularly when United go to Anfield Um, so I I don't really see it going any other way I think if this was a case of a team with a low block that would look to shut United out that they could just produce something a long range goal bang, top corner win the game I think Liverpool are far, far too canny for that
0: Al, do you see it going any other way other than a Liverpool win?
4: None whatsoever, Marie none I watched, um, as you say the press conferences as well today and particularly the Ten Hag one and I want to defend him in some instances and I can't defend him at all in other instances and the one that really stuck out for me was obviously last weekend again after the debacle that was that was Newcastle and Rashford and Martial and all the negative publicity around that and rightly so on how poor they were he went and picked Martial again last Saturday and then all of a sudden we're here and now he's leaving the club and he's out of the picture altogether he should have been long gone out of the picture and the, some of these decisions with Ten Hag I just don't understand the Harry Maguire stuff McTominay all this and it may be out of his hands I'm not so sure but as the manager like what we see something an example of Pasta Coglu he knows who he wants and he knows who he doesn't want even when they had the injury crisis with Romero and Van Deveen and Eric Dyers in the wings he played him in one match didn't even want to play him I'd say and didn't perform and he's, he hasn't been seen since and he's playing fullbacks at centre half so I think that's where Ten Hag has to be commanding in the situations where if he doesn't want someone make it, make it be known and make it be clear that he doesn't want them and they're gone out of the picture and listening to him today Marie and I know you are saying about and it can be tough I suppose because you're a- answering questions mm-hmm. about your future and, and what can he say like but he doesn't sound one bit convincing in any of his answers. And I know maybe the language barrier can be a problem as well to make him sound convincing, but. I I just don't see where they're going, I really don't and and in terms of Fergal, what he was saying about the tactical approach that's a major problem for me with Man United because you can talk about the owners, you can talk about um, all these other instances the noise outside the club but when it comes to the manager setting up a team, that's on him and the evidence that we see in the game so far of what, what he's producing in terms of setting up a team, what he's getting out of those players the performance levels, it's a million miles off what you'd expect of Man United
0: Fergal, do you think he's still going to be in the job just given the amount of speculation now that is surrounding him, Graham Potter being linked with the role and of course him being asked about it himself now at every turn to Ten Hag. Mm -hmm.
5: It's very difficult, um, and particularly between now and the end of of 2023. They've got a really difficult run of games. Obviously, after Liverpool this weekend, then they go to West Ham before Christmas, home to Villa on the 26th, and then they wrap up um, 2023 away at Nottingham Forest. And They they are difficult games, particularly Villa, the way that they're playing. West Ham at home are are relatively strong. It's it's so difficult because it's Manchester United. If this was a team down the bottom of the table and they were in a terrible run of form, you'd you'd be confident enough to say, look, two or three games, if they lose them the manager's gone. It, it is slightly different at Manchester United. They're not adverse to getting rid of managers in the middle of the season. We've seen that in the last couple of years but I, I still think from the ownership's perspective so much stock was placed in Ten Hag that he was seen as right, things are going to change. The pantomime, the drama in behind the scenes is is gone now and, and I don't think he is that type of manager. I don't think he courts that type of situation. I just think as it stands he's, he's just not very good. I think I think that's the greater issue. I think he's raised standards to an extent i think he's removed a lot of the toxicity at the club um but he as a coach and and certain aspects of the team are just not just not good enough very quickly before we move on stat for any liverpool fan this weekend united haven't won a premier league game at old trafford in the last seven attempts and they've only scored one goal and that was jesse lingard oh. he's the only player to have scored a premier league goal against liverpool at anfield for united uh, since 2016, um, and Klopp's only lost once at home uh, in the Premier League against Manchester United as Liverpool boss. So it's history is not on their mm. side. It's yeah.
4: incredible, really, is those stats, isn't it? And even you look at just a sim- simple thing like the the betting for the weekend and all. They're rank outsiders. Like Man United have fallen so much. It's a, it's unbelievable, Marie, how they've fallen. Where they're at, and you listen to him. And even after the Bayern Munich game during the week, oh, we did okay. Like okay is not good enough, mm. and they weren't even okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah they weren't to be fair You know Yeah um, Look let's move on from that game it is the one of course that uh, everyone will be looking forward to this weekend well most people And I know we're, to we've it.
4: spoken a lot there sorry me about, about Ten Hag Liverpool have been very good at yeah. Klopp and they're back on track in terms of it, like even watching them last week, I know the game wasn't great. Crystal Palace, seventy minutes drifting along. You think it's going to be one of those afternoons? Bring on Harvey Elliott changes the game and they they eke out the win. And that's always a good sign for me as well. When you are not playing well, that they're still managing to eke out those wins. The only concern I have for them, and I've I've kind of not contradicted myself, but I've I've been mad about their attacking lineup and the prowess to have up front. They'll always score goals. I'm not convinced about Nunes. Watching him again last Saturday, Marie, he, I, I just don't get it. Cody Gakbo played last mm-hmm. night, was very, very poor in the game, but the team, it was a mo- it was a makeshift team, uh, didn't get much service. But I really don't understand how he hasn't tried Gakbo through the middle at all. Um, he doesn't seem to maybe want to do that. I know Nunes is a big physical specimen of a man and, and caused a bit of rumblings around for opposition defenders. But in terms of being clinical and scoring the goals he'd be a major concern for me
0: Fergal just before we move on from Liverpool uh, Cueven Kelleher in goals last night conceded two goals it seems like this period where he's got that opportunity is coming to an end Alisson's back fit again what do you think is going to be the takeaway from that spell he's had in between the posts
5: I think from him personally he'll he'll take it as a positive in that Jürgen Klopp is, is fully supportive of him that when he needs him he's, he's willing to throw him in and I've, I've said this all along when there's an injury or a game where Klopp thinks I can rotate Alisson out Kelleher will come in he will do the job that I anticipate I do think looking at his record particularly when he has been dropped in this season um he's only kept one clean sheet for Liverpool he, he does look a bit suspect in that sense this is the first time for me in his Liverpool career where He's maybe looked a, a little bit off the pace when he's come in. In the past, obviously, it's difficult when he's not playing. He's still come in and performed, and particularly when we associate him with the cup competitions and saving penalties or scoring penalties, as he has done. Um, whereas this time, there's been a few situations... Sorry, two clean sheets he has kept, my mistake, um, this season. It, he hasn't quite looked the same as he has done in the past. And I just think, ultimately, the situation at Liverpool is not going to change with Alisson there. I, I do not see a situation... and. Palace last weekend was an example of that he was only just back in training and the minute Klopp get the word, got the word from the medical team straight in the start in the 11 and he made two massive stops to make sure that Liverpool could come back into the game and, and win it and and that is just the unfortunateness for, for Kelleher.
4: Yeah that's the difference Marie I spoke at the about three or four weeks ago wasn't it when we thought when we found out Alisson was going to be injured and he was going to get a little bit of a run and I spoke about maybe grasping the opportunity and going in and and, and almost Sean Klopp that he's here to compete with Alisson to me in the games and watching him last night he's a backup to Alisson
0: yeah well look it's hard and, to, and we've known that uh, for uh, a long that, time yeah.
4: so maybe it's getting to the stage now where come the end of the season all, all that discussion around the fact that he needs to play and I was very much of the view stay at Liverpool but it's not as Fergal mm-hmm. said it's not going to change Alisson he was brilliant uh, last weekend yeah and he's so settled there as well
0: Um, Arsenal and Brighton Fergal um, you think that Mikel Arteta is going to get a reaction from his players after losing to Villa
5: I think he will I think he has to um, given the fact that things are so tight at the top of the table Liverpool got the edge last weekend because they came back and beat Palace and then Arsenal slipping up against Villa who are now open to third themselves Man City you'd expect them to be fairly comfortable against Palace before they go off to to Saudi Arabia and he needs a reaction Um, and in terms of freshness and players they've got an extra two days Brighton played Marseille last night and won and got through to the Europa knockouts he rested the majority of his team uh, away from home against PSV Um, I think Saka, Raya and I think maybe Zinchenko didn't even didn't even come on or didn't even travel maybe. Um, so there's no excuses as talented as Brighton are and as much as we we like them and and what Roberto De Zerbi's trying to do, um there's no excuses for us not winning this game. Um at home on Sunday, making sure the pressure is on Liverpool before they then take on United a couple of hours after. Um and he was like a I don't know he was like a, a wasp trapped in a in a bottle uh, <laughs> when he was in the stands last week against Villa you could just see him um, jumping around the place and dying to be back down on the touchline and he will be this weekend and, and, and that will be a, a boost for Arsenal as much as it kind of is reduced over the years how much the touchline presence is the way that Arteta is in terms of his antics and his behaviour mm-hmm. it, it is important for Arsenal Yeah
0: he kind of wills them on um, when he's on the sideline so it'll be a difficult day for Brighton well it could be a difficult day but hopefully for Evan Ferguson um, we'll get to see a little bit more of him is he doing, getting enough time do you think Al?
4: it's difficult because you look at João Pedro again obviously scoring the goal last night and they paid big money for him um, and I still think we have to we have, we can't be looking at this through kind of rose tinted glasses and it's just from an Irish angle I think you look. I have to look at the lad in terms of his development and I think the Zerbi. I still think they're trying to manage that Marie Uh, and not put too much expectation on him and he does get he does get minutes but I think because of what they're juggling at the moment in terms of the European stuff in the Premier League and going Thursday to Sunday I think he's able to juggle uh, with the squad and that's why you see Evan that he's not having to play week in week out or whatever or he's not feeling as though the manager wants him to play week in, week out I think if you were if we were privy to the conversations behind the scenes I think it's more about the actual Deserby, the, the coach and staff Ferguson managing his load and looking after him rather than actually pinning too much pressure on him and to have João Pedro is a very good player um, scoring goals as well obviously there's plenty plenty others there that he, he's up against stiff competition to get a game as well because they're a very good team Brighton mm-hmm. but I do think it's more about the manager and the staff trying to ma- maybe manage his load
0: a lot of good games this weekend um, Fergal and Fairness, but one that I think will catch a lot of people's attention is Burnley and Everton and the Sean Dyche factor of course
5: Yeah and obviously him going back to Burnley um, it's very rare in Premier League circles that a manager is, is still held in high regard and, and Burnley fans definitely see Sean Dyche in, in that sort of a position and particularly given the way that they've started the season how difficult they've found it they, they might be forgiven for a few admiring glances over at Everton um, no goals conceded in the last three Three wins in a row for the Toffees obviously all coming on the back of the 10 point deduction, um, they're flying and, and his imprint on that team is plain to see the organisation, the reliance on sports science, analytics behind the scenes a lot of players have come out and spoken about it Tarkowski, Pickford and one or two others is getting goals from midfield, particularly with Abdoulaye Ducure, Um and, it, and it's not looking good for Burnley. Um, Vincent Company I think has kind of slightly escaped being mentioned in the same way as um, Heck and Bottom before he got sacked from Sheffield United and Edwards at Luton and, and one or two others, um, Steve Cooper at Forest who replaced Spurs tonight I, I think company's right in there and deservedly so, they, they beat Sheffield United a couple of weeks ago and then lost to Wolves and then drew with Brighton last weekend so I don't really see any massive tangible um, progress and Sean Dyche will know exactly what to do this weekend I think, I think they could win and, mm-hmm. and I I really would wonder how much longer um, Vincent Company gets because, again, we talk about runs over Christmas, they've got Liverpool at home on the 26th and then Villa away uh, on the 30th and you'd be struggling to see how they get points from them.
0: Oh, will you be rushing home for uh, Nottingham Forest and Spurs?
5: That's
4: exactly where I'm going, Marie. <laughs> exactly where I'm going after this and looking forward to it. And talking about managers on the verge, it looks like Steve Cooper as well. If they were to lose tonight at home uh, to two Spurs, I think he could be gone as well. I and mean, you could argue, is it harsh? P- possibly, Marie. But you look, I suppose, at the recent form, it hasn't been great.
0: Four uh, losses and a draw in the last five. There One you go. And that's why he's
4: under serious pressure. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of money being invested at that club as well. Um, I think the owner... I think they're more putting up with him because of the re- the relationship that he has with the fans and I don't think they want the backlash from the fans but I think he's getting to maybe the point where he feels as though he has to maybe make the decision out of the owner and as I say, if they were to lose tonight at home against a very good Spurs team. You look at Spurs last week, uh, they were absolutely phenomenal in the game as well, back to their best and were clinical. That was, the, I suppose, mm-hmm. the, the difference in the games before that where they hadn't picked up the points. They were clinical in that game last weekend against Newcastle and played ever so well. Just their energy levels and getting a couple of players back as well Papa Papasar was back in midfield alongside Basuma Adds so much energy and legs I think he's going to be a really great player for them going forward The doggy, they were brilliant they were really good albeit Newcastle to be fair and like what we've seen in the European game they're running on steam at the moment they're really kind of out on their feet um, so it was a good time to play Newcastle but I think Spurs would be for us tonight and, and I think that could be the end of Steve Cooper
0: OK well that's kicking off at 8 o'clock Fergal Brennan as always thank you so much for joining us all just before we let you go um the League of Ireland fixtures mm. out today so starting in the 9th February coming around quickly
4: 16th 16th is it yes right. 16th Marie and um, yeah looking forward to it. Is I, I was out with one of the managers today for breakfast oh. and I was also and he was kind of doing deals as we we're chatting and doing all sorts <laughs> and then obviously waiting on the fixtures to come in also Marie so um, there's clubs back training already at the moment so that's I suppose Shells uh, yeah, in terms of the professionalism <laughs> where the game has gone they're back training already the rest will be back just after Christmas but yeah it's an exciting time when you see the fixtures and um, Shamrock Rovers kick off at home to Dundalk Bohemian Sligo Rovers um, Derry, Drogheda as well so there's a couple of crackers there to kick us off on the 16th so we'll have plenty of discussion well before that Marie
0: yeah Ruby wants you to stay for the race and I'll travel. stay for so, the yeah, race want yeah. to okay we're going to take a break um, we'll be back with Ruby after these <laughs>
2: Two FM.
1: Game
0: on on Two FM. Welcome back. We are returning our attention to racing. Ruby Walsh joins us all the way from Cheltenham. How are you, Ruby?
1: I'm great. Marie, yourself? Great. We're
0: going to talk about racing, but I want to ask you about um, JP McManus and his sizeable donation to Gaelic Games in Ireland. What What are your thoughts?
1: sizable that's an that's a understanding <laughs> I item, mean it relative it? it's um, relative to
0: his fortune which I'm sure is pretty big it
1: is till you go giving it away <laughs> that is some <laughs> chunk of money uh, for anybody to give away um, 32 million a million per county um, I suppose if you're in Leach what is it 30,000 a club um, it's an incredible donation an incredible gesture and I wish I was in a position to do it
0: I know it's amazing isn't it all?
4: It's absolutely incredible, yeah, and I was reading up more on it. Um, Tommy Conlon had a good piece that he wrote a few years back, Tommy. basically be, uh, off the back of a donation he made back then and it's not just the, the sporting stuff, charities all sorts of stuff behind the scenes we don't see the golf classics and stuff that he has and um, all that kind of stuff, it's phenomenal And what he creates for the economy, I know there's been a bit of a backlash as well, you'll never please everyone Marie, I'm looking at a couple of people on social media and the usual rubbish coming out of him but in terms of the bigger picture and what he's done, he's a phenomenal man I think.
0: And what about racing Ruby so does he spread it around racing wise as well?
1: He does, Marie, in, in indirect ways. He's a lot of horses in training, which cr- creates a lot of employment, which uh, which is a lot of investment. He's a huge donor to the injured Jockeys Fund in Ireland and the injured Jockeys Fund in the UK. And I would say it's his investment. You look at the amount of trainers that he has horses in training with, and that's... I suppose spreading the wealth in a, in a different way it's it's helping an awful lot of people so look there are people who will forever give out and there are people who will say that he doesn't um, I'm not going to say pay tax here, the man doesn't live here so he's no different than anybody that lives outside of Ireland, he doesn't live in Ireland so that's why he doesn't pay tax in Ireland, he lives in Switzerland, that's where he pays his tax, um, you know so he's no different anybody that has left the country but he's put a lot of money back into Ireland, and that can't be knocked.
0: Absolutely, and it'll really help J clubs around the country. And in fairness to me, looked after the women as well. So that's ah, brilliant.
1: Yep. I, 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 honestly, as
4: like it's, it's because we often hear the debate about Dublin and the investment and all that stuff. But it's the smaller counties that yeah. don't that we hear that don't get it. So the likes of them and the clubs and all, and and as you said, spread it around
1: Camogie, the, the, football, the, yeah. yeah, brilliant.
0: A uh, racing Ruby, what do you? What's happening in Cheltenham? racing
1: <laughs> not a whole pile Marie uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty low profile stuff in Cheltenham this weekend um, there was decent enough racing today I Manilla Manila Indoor ran a cracker in the cross country race uh, Rachel Blackmore rode him in the, it's a handicap at this time of the year but it'll be a conditions race come March and I thought he made a really Encouraging start to his cross country career, so he's one to look out for in March. Tomorrow is the December Gold Cup, and I think it could go an Irish way. Mark Walsh is coming to Chatham tomorrow afternoon to write So Scottish for Emmett Mullins. Facker Dudari is the top weight with 12 stone. That means uh, So Scottish gets in the right side of 11 stone. and I think, um, yeah, I think they could be robbing some starting the Irish tomorrow afternoon in Cheltenham.
4: Ruby, I want to ask you about an individual who I rate highly, and I'm sure he is very good and I want your expert view on it but I don't think we hear enough about him or the praise, I certainly don't hear him get enough praise and I think he's a brilliant jockey and he won today um, riding for G- Gavin Cromwell, Al Mason um, in the 150 race, Keith O'Donoghue and I think he's an absolutely brilliant jockey but how far can this lad go or is it kind of a case of he's only I know he was with Gordon for a long time and and maybe I think was his was it his weight or his height didn't maybe get as much chances as what, what he should have but now he seems to be getting lots with Gavin Cromwell
1: Keith is a remarkable story. So Keith started as a young man, a very, very talented guy, but from growing at the age of 17, between 17 and 20, he just ex- I know, exceeded the body weight of a jockey. So Keith's natural weight is probably closer to 12 stone or a little bit above 12 stone. But to be a jockey, you kind of need to be below 10 stone. So he manages his weight. He got himself back to being able to ride at 11.4, 11, 11, 11.7, and he maximises the opportunities he has at that weight, which is restricted. But um, he every day, Keith Donahue's whose life would not be for everybody, but he's exceptionally talented. He takes every opportunity he's given, and he maximises those opportunities. Uh, he's matured incredibly from what he was when he was younger and probably couldn't understand the restrictions is that his own body were put, his own body was putting on the potential that he could achieve. But unfortunately, racing is weight. You have to be able to make the weight to ride the horses. And like what he's doing, to watch him today on La Man Maison, it was just, it was so finessed. Mm. It was, it was some simple things. I know Paul Carberry is his idol, and Paul has been a huge influence on Keith's career. But to watch him ride, you you just think like he, it's pure natural. But unfortunately. Keith is a little bit too big to be a jockey yet he's still managing to do it
0: Ruby just before we finish up anything else this weekend to keep an eye of her
1: uh, we have at home on the home front Ferry House tomorrow afternoon a nice horse called uh, Hunter's Yarn runs in the beginner's chase he'll be worth watching and then on Sunday we have two meetings one in Navin one at Thurless it's a big day in Thurless now I have a gripe here and I think this meeting in Thurless should be run on the 23rd of December not the last Sunday before Christmas I think on the 24th, 23rd it becomes centre of all sporting activity I really think that meeting should be on the 23rd but there's a really good mayor's novice hurdle down there on Sunday Marie and a mayor called fun 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 could make Christmas fun for anyone <laughs> to actually.
3: Okay, I like that, Ruby.
0: Well, on that note, um, I'm going to go check out Fun, Fun, Fun. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Safe Home, and we will be talking to you next you, week. Alan, uh, thank you so much for coming in Pleasure as well. Uh, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the big game on Sunday. Um, the official chat show is up next.
2: RTE 2FM.